Uh, my name is Darcy. I'm one of the pastors here on Staff at Generations, and it's great to have you here this morning. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was handing out uh, some of our little uh, uh, staff photos, Christmas cards, at the back door, or the front door, I guess it is, <laughs> of, the, of the church after the service, and I was happily handling these out, only to discover later that I think I was handing out a bunch of envelopes that actually didn't have any pictures in them. It was an embarrassing realization. So if you were one of the nice people that got an envelope without a picture, uh, my apologies. Uh, please don't take it personally. I love you. I honestly do. And, and we do have a few more of those left this morning. So glad to have you here. And, and uh, I'm glad uh, that we're here this morning, that I'm here. Uh, we missed you last week. Uh, we made an unexpected trip to, to Edmonton. Uh, Aileen's special aunt, uh, her aunt Lydia, uh, passed away, went to be with the Lord, and so we went back to Edmonton for her funeral service, and I was asked to lead that service, and, and so we uh, got to go to Edmonton unexpectedly in January, <laughs> and we got our winter reality check. And uh, it was cold before we left. I think the morning we left, it was minus 29 with a wind chill. But when we got there and, and the day of the funeral, it was, it was warm by Alberta standards. And so uh, that uh, was beautiful and it was snowy and that made the roads uh, interesting to drive. And, and I grew up in the prairies. I spent most of our, our life there. And so I'm not a stranger to snow or driving in, in icy conditions. In fact, I learned to drive during the winter. But the reality is, is that even in cities where they have real winter, there are always more traffic accidents on the first day of snow than any other day of the year. That's, that's just the reality. It's because people forget to adjust to the conditions, Right. So leaving our nice green island and, and landing in winter, I was very aware that we needed to adjust to the conditions. So Aileen's mom lent us her little uh, Pontiac G5, little, little hatchback that she has for the weekend. And so I was driving in winter very carefully. But as I was driving mom's little car, I, I felt, to be honest, like I had forgotten how to drive on ice and snow because I could not get that car to go where I wanted it to go. I mean, going around the corners, it was just like you're coaxing it, you know, trying to get going from a stoplight. You were coaxing it. You couldn't get the thing to stop. And finally, I said to Aileen, either I've forgotten how to drive on ice and snow or the tires on this car are terrible. <laughs> Eventually, we had one big scare. Uh, after the funeral, I was driving uh, us back to Aileen's sister's place, and we were uh, merging onto the Anthony Hendy Drive, which is the big freeway a ring road that uh, Edmonton has around and uh, its city. And so we were, we were in the acceleration lane, and we were merging onto that, and all of a sudden, I felt the whole car begin to kind of drift sideways into the three lanes of traffic uh, that were beside us. And, and so I didn't want to oversteer because I didn't want to hit the ditch on that side. I, I didn't want to, you know, continue to drift over into the vehicles that were beside us. And, and finally, after what seemed like eternity, it was probably only about a second, I, I kind of felt that the car regain its traction. And then there was that surge of adrenaline, you know, just like, like, <laughs> like what just happened? 
And so we, we got to Aileen's sister's place, and I said to my brother-in-law, Jason, you know, was it icy out there tonight, or, or was it just me? Because we barely made it home. In fact, I think maybe we need to get some different tires on mom's car. And uh, Jason thought that was a good idea. So, so the next morning, uh, we took her car in for some winter tires. And I made Jason drive. Uh, not because I was scared, but because I wanted him to kind of feel how mom's car was handling, right? So we're driving down the road, and suddenly the vehicles in front of us began to slow down. So Jason tapped the brake, and suddenly we were sliding towards the ditch. So he banged it into neutral like you're supposed to do, and he's turning the steering wheel, and all of a sudden we got a little bit of traction, and zoom. All of a sudden we're, we're sliding now into oncoming traffic with the passenger side that I was in facing the oncoming traffic. Uh, did, did I mention that winter driving is good for your prayer life? Uh, you know, I, I'm thinking, you know, we're only going about 40K, and if that car is going 40K, that's still 80 kilometers worth of uh, an hour of, of collision that, that we're maybe going to have here. So, so I'm nervous, and all of a sudden, the car caught some traction, and all of a sudden, we're sliding back towards the ditch, and then we're sliding back to oncoming traffic, and finally, the car comes to a stop. And Jason looks at me with his eyes about that big and says, I think this car needs winter tires. And I said, amen, brother, amen. So we took it in. We got some winter tires on that. And winter tires will not solve all your problems when the roads are icy, but they make a tremendous difference uh, because they're especially designed to give traction on snow and ice. So you still need to drive carefully. You still need to drive for the conditions, but your vehicle will handle very differently. And that's what we found. Uh, we put the winter tires on mom's car and the difference was remarkable. Suddenly I didn't feel like a terrible driver. Suddenly I, I felt safe in the car. The, the car went where I wanted it to go and it stopped when we wanted it to stop. Now let me draw an analogy. Uh, it's imperfect, but uh, hopefully it's helpful. The analogy is this. The church is designed, and I got a typo there, so please excuse that. The church is designed to give traction to your spiritual life like winter tires are designed to give traction to your vehicle. Now, I know you've probably never put winter tires and church together in the same thought before, but uh, before this week, neither had I, okay? But the church is designed to give traction to your spiritual life like winter tires are designed to give traction to your vehicle. Think about it. Uh, sometimes we feel like our spiritual life, our relationship with Jesus, doesn't have the traction it should have. Sometimes it feels like our spiritual life is sliding off into the ditch or heading into oncoming traffic. You know, we ask ourselves things like, why does it seem like I keep spinning my wheels spiritually? Why can't I find any traction in my spiritual growth? Why does my spiritual life seem to be drifting? Well, maybe it's because we don't take Jesus' church and its place in our lives seriously enough. Sometimes I, I hear things, and, and maybe you've heard these kind of statements too. Maybe you've made these kind of statements, but, but statements like, you know, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not interested in church. You know, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a Christian, but I'm just not interested in, in organized religion. I don't need church because my relationship with God is personal. 
You know, and church is just kind of this, this, this man-made institution. It's not really God's idea. Have you ever heard comments like that? Now, you know, I, I get that culture has changed. I, I understand that, that going to church maybe isn't the thing that it used to be, and for lots of reasons. You know, we live in a more affluent society. People are, are traveling more. There's, there's more things like Sunday sports and activities and, and even work that we, we get involved in. And, and uh, you know, the age that we live in, a lot of people have a hard time trusting anything that's organized or, or anything that's, you know, kind of institutional. And, and so they want to just kind of back away. And, and I understand that. You know, I understand that life is busy and that, that life is complex, you know, especially if you've got family, kids. Life is complex. There's lots of options and lots of things pulling on you for your, your time and attention. And, and this idea of you know, church twice on Sunday and once in the middle of the week uh, has kind of become a thing of a bygone era. That was actually the lyrics to, a, to an old quartet song that we had on a record when I was a kid. I go to church twice on Sunday and once in the middle of the week. That was then. And to be honest, I, you know, even as a pastor, I have to say, thank the Lord. <laughs> uh, you know, because I think sometimes church activities, now be careful and understand what I'm saying, sometimes church activities can take up too much space in our lives. But, but what if all of this culture shift has led us to the place where we don't take the church and the place that God has designed it to have in our lives seriously enough? And what if we're losing traction in our spiritual lives because of it? Now, full disclosure, I'm a pastor. <laughs> just, just in case you were wondering. Who is that guy standing up there talking? Anyways, uh, I'm a pastor, and I know pastors tend to take church fairly seriously. <laughs> but I, I'd like to think that I take church seriously because Jesus takes church seriously. It's important. So we're in a series right now called uh, A Heart to Build. Uh, Pastor Dallas kicked it off last week with, with a great message talking about the misunderstandings that we have sometimes with church. And, and if you're here this morning and you're just checking church out, I talked with one lady this morning. She said, you know, I, I came to the singing Christmas tree and this is my first time coming out. If that's, if that's you or, or, or this is one of your first times here, Generations, we're glad you're here. It's awesome to have you with us this morning. And sometimes we're here because we have questions about, you know, what's church all about Anyways, and so this is just a great morning for you to be here, and, and uh, we're going to talk about this because when people think about church, we usually think about church as, well, as a building, right? It's that big building behind Terminal Park Mall. Uh, whoever thought Terminal would be a good name for a mall? I'm not sure, but, you know, we're, we're, that, we're that big building behind Terminal Park Mall or, or behind the McDonald's. You know, we're, the, we're the, the, the church that's got that big white tee out in front that glows at night. Um, that white tee actually is, is a cross. It's a, a major symbol of Christianity, major symbol of Jesus. 
so people think that church is a building. People also think that church is a denomination. We talk about, you know, the, the, the Baptist church or the Catholic church or the Pentecostal church. When people think about church, they often think also of church as a service. You know, are you going to church? Or, wow, we had good church on Sunday. But did you know that there's not one verse in the Bible that says they went to church? Did you know that it's actually impossible to go to church? Because church isn't something you go to. Church is something you are. If you're a follower of Jesus, church isn't something you can go to. It's actually something you are. You can't just kind of check out church or check out of church if you're a follower of Jesus any more than you can check out of the human race if you're human. You know, even if you want to, I'm sorry, if you're human, you're part of the human race. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you are part of the church. It is something you are. Are. And even if you read the New Testament with one eye closed, you can't escape the fact or the idea that the church was God's idea. In fact, most of the New Testament writings are not the teachings of Jesus. It's actually about the church, about this assembly of called out ones that Jesus started. It's their story and instructions for them. But if that's what the church is, then why do so many Christians think nothing of just kind of blowing off church? That making a commitment to a local body is is optional. And there is, in fact, this kind of growing phenomena of Christians that are, are not connected to any church. There's lots I could say about this, but let's start with this. I think part of the issue is that God's church isn't perfect. The church isn't perfect. In fact, the church is very imperfect. God is perfect. His church is not perfect. At least not yet. And a lot of us find that very disillusioning because how can this amazing thing that that Jesus started be so flawed being in community is messy because frankly people are people (laughs) people are flawed people sin Even spiritual leaders are still people that are flawed and sin. But again, can I just be frank with you? I think the problem is that we have an unrealistic expectation. We have an unrealistic expectation. We think church should be perfect and church is never perfect. In fact, it never was perfect. Perfect. Sometimes we have this idealized conception of the early church. You know, that the early church is recorded in the scripture was the golden age of the church. And if we could only get back to the early church, everything would be perfect. But have you read the New Testament? Amen. <laughs> Most of the letters 
were written to churches that were in crisis, churches that were in conflict. I mean, just read the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians. It was a church that was torn by division. It was a church that was in factions. There were factions around leadership and factions around ethnic lines and factions around economic status. They had super spiritual people in that church that thought they were so spiritual that what they did with their bodies didn't matter. So you could go to church on Sunday and then go visit a prostitute. Uh, They had one guy that was shacked up with his stepmother. Uh, They had people in that church that were suing the socks off each other in court because they didn't like each other. And, And that's just the first couple of chapters. I mean, there's, there's this stuff going on in that, that church that, that, that is just, just crazy. So the church isn't perfect. The church never was perfect. The church won't be perfect until Jesus comes back. So don't have unrealistic expectations because it will bring disillusionment. In fact, we need to dis the illusion that the church is supposed to be perfect. Church has got problems. In fact, if you ever find the perfect church, the reality is is that you would never be good enough to join it. Um, You'd ruin it. In fact, just turn to the person and tell them, a person beside you and just tell them, you'd ruin the perfect church. Uh, You know what? Because... You're a person. And, and so this idea that the church is imperfect is actually good news. Because that means there's room for me. And there's room for you. There's, there's a place where you fit and you belong. There's a, there's a place for you. And Generations Church is not a perfect church. We are just a group of ordinary, flawed human beings who love Jesus and are in process. Okay, we're trying. And we don't always get it right. But we're committed to Jesus and we're committed to each other. We're a community of people passionate about seeking God with our whole lives. And so we're going to pursue emotionally healthy spirituality. We're going to pursue having our character transformed by by the spirit of Jesus working in us from the inside out. We're going to pursue the mission that God has called us to. Let me give you three reasons why your connection to a local church gives traction to your spiritual life. And there's a lot of things that we could talk about this morning, but let me narrow it down to to just three. Number one, uh, the local church gives you some spiritual protection. It provides spiritual protection. When I was prepping for this series, A Heart to Build, I looked up all the verses in the New Testament that have the word build in them. And it was a great word study. And I came across this verse in Acts chapter 20 that's part of Paul's goodbye speech to the church leaders in Ephesus. And uh, Paul says this in Acts 20 verse 32. He says, now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace. We were singing about the grace and the mercy of God this morning. He says, I entrust you to the message of his grace that is able to build you up. 
and give you an inheritance with all those he set apart for himself. Paul's talking about the church, people that have been set apart. That's the church. And I thought, wow, that is a great verse. What a great thought. But I wanted to see the context, so I backed up a few verses, and it's sobering. Uh, Paul uses a metaphor for the church there. He calls the church a flock, like a flock of sheep or a herd of sheep. And again, Paul's talking to the elders and the pastors of the church at Ephesus, and he says this, guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. Because I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Vicious wolves. I mean, it almost sounds like a National Geographic special, doesn't it? I mean, that, that, that's pretty graphic language, vicious wolves. Uh, we, we had a National Geographic moment at our house yesterday. Uh, we come out the, the side of our house on our step there and uh, found the remains of what must have been a rabbit. Uh, I was going to put a picture up here, but I realized it probably would have grossed half you out, so I didn't, because all that was left of this rabbit was, was one hind leg and some sinew attached to another hind leg. And then we walked down our back steps, and, and on our, our back patio, we found the rest of the rabbit. Well, we found just kind of the fur and what looked like maybe a little bit of its jaw and maybe a kidney. The rest was gone. And we're looking at this, and we know what was on the menu, but we're wondering who was doing the eating. Vicious, vicious. And then uh, Courtney, one of our, our worship leaders this morning, she texted and said, that was a cat. And I'm thinking, what a Vicious animal. One more reason not to like cats. Vicious. Vicious. I mean, that, that poor rabbit had been torn limb from limb, skinned from the inside out, nothing left but a pile of fur and two back feet and a kidney. And, and Courtney said, well, actually, they left part of it on your step as a thank you. And I'm thinking... That's just terrible. But, you know, Paul is using that kind of language to talk about the church. He says, there's going to be vicious wolves that come in and, and maim and tear apart the flock. And, and so you got to stay with the shepherd. So you got to stay together, keep safe, because if you wander off by yourself, you're going to be a victim. In fact, Paul wasn't the first person to use that word picture. It was actually Jesus. You go back to Matthew 7. Jesus says, beware the false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious cats. I mean wolves. <laughs> Say, well, how can you tell if a prophet or a teacher or a spiritual leader is just a wolf in sheep's clothing? And, and that's where that saying comes from. It's, it's actually an allusion to Jesus' words here. Well, Jesus says, well, you can identify them by their fruit, by the way they act. You can identify people by their actions. 
And so if you watch somebody's life, if you watch somebody's character, if you act, watch how, how they, they live and how they treat people and, and how they interact, eventually their motives and their heart is going to be revealed. And you're going to be able to discern what kind of person they are. And so we need to be careful. And spiritual protection is very important. And it's something that you need to take seriously. It's something that we as a church take very seriously. It's why as, as a church, we, we are structured with, with pastors and with, with a board and, and how uh, we're connected with a, a fellowship like the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada and the, and the pastors are credentialed with the PAOC. And, and because it just provides a level of accountability and a level of structure and a level of protection that helps us as a church create a safe environment where we know the people's lives are being held to account and there's, a, there's ethics and a proper way to behave and function and proper doctrine and proper teaching. In fact, Paul later writing to Timothy who became the pastor of the church in Ephesus about five or ten years later, Paul had a right to him because vicious wolves had showed up in the, in the church. And Paul writes to Timothy, he says, listen, you need to deal with this, but not only do you need to deal with it, but you need to watch your life and your doctrine closely. Because spiritual protection is important. And that's, that's one of the reasons why being connected to a local church is so important. And one of the things that will give traction to your spiritual life. But here's another reason why your connection uh, to a local church gives your spiritual life traction. Being connected to a local church actually encourages spiritual commitment. It encourages spiritual commitment. Kerry Newhoff said this. He said, a step out of a local church is many times a step away from God. Again, I, can I just be frank? Actually, I'm not frank. I'm Darcy, but I think you know the expression. Um, I, I just, no, Really? I know for myself, I have not met that many people who've stepped away from the local church that would say that they're closer to God. I know there would perhaps be some, but, but certainly not many. The reality is, is that most people who leave the church usually don't end up closer to God. Often their passion for Jesus begins to fade. Often they're not living a vibrant Christian life. And friends, this is especially true if, 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 if you've got a family, if you've got kids or, or, or youth, don't underestimate uh, the importance, mom and dad, of having your kids connected to a church. It is just so important. They, they need that relationship with others that, that love Jesus. They, they need to be connected with, with leaders that, that care for them or are going to challenge them in their faith to take personal steps towards Jesus. I, I know the, the family is the, is the key place, but you can't ignore the role of the church because here's the correlation that I've seen. The more casual your commitment to the church the more casual your commitment to Jesus. And that's not a rule, that, that, that's not a, a judgment. It, it's just kind of a correlation that I've noticed. It, it's kind of like when you've got your gym membership and you only show up at the gym once a month or maybe never. 
and I realize we're in January and you've all just renewed your gym memberships and, and uh, I don't mean to bring any guilt, but you know what? If, you're, if you got that membership and you're not going there, it says something about your commitments. Now the opposite is also true. If you're showing up, it, it says something about your commitment. And friends, that's true in your, in your spiritual life. If you're showing up to church, it says something about your commitment, not just to church, but actually your commitment to Jesus. And friends, we need to do everything that we can do to, to keep that commitment strong and to keep it healthy because it is just so easy to drift in your spiritual life. Amen. The current culture or the current of culture just continually pushes us with it and, and carries us with it. And we don't even feel it. I was fishing last summer with a, with a friend uh, in the Strait of Juan de Fuca. That's the, the strait between Victoria and the state of Washington. And, and it was a beautiful, calm day, sunny summer day, and the, the ocean was, was flat. And so we're out there fishing, and, and, and Marcus says to me, he's looking at his GPS, and he says, do you realize that we're drifting five to seven kilometers an hour right now? I was shocked, because the ocean was completely flat and calm. But we were just moving along. And friends, that's, that's what it is in, in our world today. We don't realize the current of the culture that is dragging us. But the Apostle John said this, he says, you need to understand that the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, the pride of our achievements and possessions, but you need to understand that's the drift of culture. That's not from the Father. That, that's from the world. And friends, we so easily get sucked into that current without even realizing it. And that's why we need to be in community with other followers of Jesus because it helps us understand the current that we're in. And it challenges us to swim against the current. To follow Jesus with, with all of our hearts. I love what, what the writer of the Hebrews says in chapter 10, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. We need to motivate each other, challenge each other, encourage each other to acts of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Amen. Friends, we need encouragement to live for Jesus. We need, the, we need the accountability of being in relationship with other followers of Jesus that would encourage us to serve God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that's so much of what being part of a a local church is about. It gives traction to your spiritual life by encouraging you and, and holding you accountable. But thirdly, th this is the last one that I want to talk about this morning, and this is huge. Another way the church helps you find traction in your spiritual life is that it directly involves you in the mission. It involves you in the mission. You see, it's so easy to think that well, the church is all about us. It's about me. It's about, you know, my, my spiritual needs, my wants, my, my desires. And yeah, we do receive a lot from the church, and, and that's good. There, there, there's nothing wrong with that. But the church isn't just about what I receive. 
The church is also about me serving. The church is about me caring for others. And not just those that already know Jesus, but especially about those who need to know Jesus. We have a mission. We have a mission. And friends, your involvement in the mission and the involvement and the role that that has in just kind of hitting the accelerator in your own spiritual life cannot be underestimated or ignored. It is just catalytic to your own spiritual growth to embrace the mission that God has called us to in this world. Because friends, we need to understand that we are in a life and death struggle. Everyone that we know, all the people around us and in our community, friends, for them, this is a matter of life and death. The past few weeks, I've stood at several gravesides and, uh, you know, when you're standing there in a cemetery, it really underscores two primary realities that all of us need to keep in sharp focus. And as I lead those short interment ceremonies at a, at a cemetery, I will often say we need to understand two things. We need to understand, first of all, that our time on earth is limited. You know, any sense of permanence that we have in this life is just an illusion. That's the first thing that we need to understand. The second thing we need to understand is that the Christian faith is first and foremost a faith that is founded and rooted in the hope and the assurance that this life is not all there is. Yes, our our life on earth is limited, but friends, Jesus says that this life is not all there is. There's something more. We have a hope. Aileen's aunt was laid to rest in a lovely country cemetery, and I hope you don't mind, but I'm actually going to show you a picture. Um, Just a little cemetery that's just a couple miles from where Aileen grew up as a child and, and where Auntie Lydia lived. In fact, Auntie Lydia used to be the caretaker of this cemetery. And so she would go out there in the summer and she would, would, would tend the, 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 the plots and all that. And in 1960, she planted a spruce tree. And in fact, that's the spruce tree there that now stands over her resting place. And Aileen and her siblings would often be with Auntie when she would go out to the cemetery and they would water the spruce tree. And Aileen goes out there and and we're looking at that and she goes, that's the little tree? Well, that's what 60 years will do to a tree. It is there and it's now able to withstand the drought and the heat of the summer and, and the cold and the wind of the winter. But the reason I I share this story is because nailed to that tree is a simple metal plaque. And engraved on the plaque is this, 1 Corinthians 15.52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. This tree was planted by Lydia Hughes, 1960. What a cool thing to have in a graveyard. What a cool thing for Aunt Lydia to put on a tree that is now standing over her grave. 
that one day there is going to come a time when Jesus is going to call his children home and the dead in Christ are going to rise. And that corruptible is going to put on incorruption and we're going to be changed. Friends, there is a life to come. That is the good news of Jesus. And that is the good news that Jesus has called us to share with the world. Eternity is real and eternal life is real. And it's found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus. And we need to know that the church is not just a place to be fed and have our needs met and enjoy some great worship and hopefully some inspiring teaching. But friends, we are called as the church of Jesus to be a people on mission in this world, to share the life of Jesus with this world. And if we ever forget that, I think we've forgotten the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If we ever forget that, we lose traction in our spiritual lives because the commitment to serve others and to give our lives so that others know and love Jesus is actually the, it's the secret sauce for spiritual growth in our own lives. It's, the, it's, it's catalytic. So commitment to a local church helps you focus your life on the mission of Jesus that he's called us to together as the people of God. And as followers of Jesus, friends, we are called to live like the good news is good, not just for us personally, but for everyone. It's good news for everyone. And a local church that's focused on those that don't know Jesus will help you focus your life on the mission that Jesus has called all of us to. Part of the mission gives you traction. So how can we take Jesus' church and his place in our lives more seriously? Three quick things and we're done. Number one, you need to show up and plug in. Show up. Show up. Uh, we've got our small group uh, uh, brochure that is printed. You know, show up at a small group. Show up at a Sunday worship gathering. Show up. Plug in. Join with your spiritual family and, and let's worship Jesus. And friends, when we gather to worship Jesus, let's worship Jesus passionately. We're not here as spectators. We're, we're here as participants. We're here to gather with the family of Jesus to, to embrace him and to worship him and declare that he is Lord and to declare that he is good and declare to ourselves and the person beside us that his mercy is real. His grace is real. His love is real. So let's, let's show up and plug in and, and get involved. Get connected. Find a place to serve. If you've never taken Generations 360, you need to jump into Generations 360. We'd love to have you here tonight. Uh, it's a, just a place where you can find out a little bit more of the, of the mission and the values of our church. Get to know us a little bit, but also find an opportunity. Find your place to serve, to plug in. So come on out. Join us tonight at 6.30. So show up and plug in. Secondly, invite someone to come with you. Invite someone to come with you. Most people come to Jesus because somebody invites them. They're invited to an Alpha course. We had Alpha start on Thursday this week. You know, we had over, I think, 25 guests come. Some that came with friends from our church that came to have a conversation about Jesus. But most of them are there because somebody invited them to come. And it's just an awesome thing. 
So thank you for doing that. Invite them to Alpha. Invite them to our Sunday gathering. Bring somebody with you. Invite them to your small group, but invite somebody. Because friends, Jesus will reveal himself to people personally, but the primary way people come to know Jesus is because somebody invites them. So share your story. Invite your friends to join you. And then thirdly, invest your life. Invest your life. I am so grateful for the dozens and dozens and dozens of people that invest their life into this expression of God's church. Every week, we've got so many people serving Jesus, serving others. Uh, just yesterday, we had people in, in investing here a generation through, through loaves and fishes, serving our community through our community food bank. Uh, we had people here cleaning up the grounds from the windstorm we had a few weeks back. And we had other people that were working on lighting and our beautiful new stage display, and we're grateful for that. Our, our worship team was practicing. We had people here that were, were serving at a, at a memorial service that was yesterday afternoon. And, and just all of these people that are plugged in, serving God by serving others. So invest your life in the local church. And and frankly, people invest their lives in time and money. (laughs) You know, if you want to know what you're serious about, follow the money. Uh, Because you invest in what you're committed to. You know, if you're committed to go fishing, you're going to spend some money on going fishing. I mean, that, that's the way it is. So, uh, you know, invest your time and your money. And in fact, it is great to serve in a local church where so many people get this. Um, again, I forgot to check our bulletin this week with our financial statement. It might be the updated January statement. But I know last week our bulletin had kind of our, our year-end, our end of December statement. Did you notice that? I was so excited to see that, that uh, as a church, we met our general budget for 2018. I think it was something like, yeah, it's something to get excited about. Our, our general budget for forgiving was like something like seven, uh, $678,000, and our income for the year was uh, seven or six thousand. Uh, uh, 684, almost $85,000, so over $7,000 above budget on, on the giving side. And I am so grateful for that. We've got so many people that, that invest their money in the work of the Lord through this church. And it's something we're celebrating because, friends, your financial investment in the church is one of the most practical and one of the most powerful ways to build your spiritual commitment and be involved in mission. Because Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Uh, Somebody important said that. Uh, His name is Jesus. (laughs) But our our, our hearts follow what what we're committed to. And and, and when we're giving somewhere, it it pulls our hearts along. and, And it allows us to participate and further what God is doing in his church. Now, the church is not a building, but thank God for this building. It's a tool that we use to build the kingdom of God in this city. And man, it is used every single day. And yeah, you know what? It's going to cost some money to maintain and to renovate and to repair. But this place is used every day for the purposes of Jesus building his kingdom. And so thank you so much for your commitment to see it keeping, uh, keep going and, and to see the ministry of our, our church keep going because it's as we invest our lives through our ministry and our money that, that, that we actually find spiritual traction happen in our lives. 
Church gives traction to spiritual life like snow tires give traction to a car. It's true. And so, friends, I would challenge you to dig in. Let's have a heart to build. Let's pray. Friends, thank you as we just close in this moment for opening up your hearts to Jesus. And Jesus, we want to open up our hearts to you. And we want to open up our hearts to your church. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to serve you by serving others. And that we'd see the mission of Jesus walk forward in our city and our world. In Jesus' name, amen. We would love to pray for you this morning if there's something going on in your life that you'd just love some encouragement for. Our prayer team is going to be over here in the the vertical lounge just through these doors on the piano side. Otherwise, friends, God bless you. Have a great week. And watch out for those vicious cats.